Timirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshuru Militamye Natasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Shri Guru Vaishnavul Parampara Ki Jai Kantara Simad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Shri Krishna Dharmastami Mahotsubha Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Good morning everyone so we're discussing the advent of Bhagavan Sri Krishna and we heard how how the earth took the form of a cow and approached Brahma with uh, some concern, some distress as to the burden that she felt from the mentality and subsequent activities of the humans that were not in consideration of that which human life best facilitates, which, as we know, (laughs) nowadays, apparently, from the evolutionists, is that it, it facilitates religious experience. They might not say that's the best part, but... We do, and we think that's what differentiates us thereby from other species of life, and that would be hard to disagree with. Whether that's an objective reality, that religious experience, we don't care what they think. (laughs) Too much insistence on objective truth that's verifiable in the laboratory and so forth by a third person somewhat eclipses perhaps in the minds of many, the importance of first-hand experience. First-hand experience that we all have is that we exist, but it cannot be proved anywhere. Still, we live as if we exist. So, in the realm of the practical, first-hand experience is weighty. And so, religious experience is a first-hand, subjective experience. And just because it cannot be verified to be what the experiencer says it is, is not sufficient reason to dismiss it. Indeed, it's so extraordinary and it transforms a person so dramatically that uh, it would seem compelling to take up the means to experience it oneself, especially when we are, from an evolutionary perspective, as, as some think nowadays, we're suited for it. The brain is suited for it facilitate that. So, they weren't taking it up. This is a problem from Earth's perspective. Thousands of years ago, and as we see, these kind of these ideas are pertinent, relevant, even today. Earth being the giver, the bounty of life in many respects, taking the form of a cow, expressing distress, approaching Brahma. And Brahma is approaching and Vishnu, Brahma is in charge of creation and Vishnu the maintenance and so this is his affair. The protection of the devotees, the status of the, uh, maintaining the world, Vishwambar, so forth. So he told Brahma, well yes I'm aware of it, I'm Vishnu, Vishvatma, I'm everywhere, I'm in everything and I've, here's how we're going to take care of it. Uh, I'm going to descend in a particular form and tell the other, the devas, and uh, the devis all to appear on earth to assist me in my leela. So, this sounds like the descent of Bhagavan, the avatara of Bhagavan, and it's Vishnu speaking to Brahma. And so, that's his perspective. Vishnu's perspective is that uh, he's the source of the different avatars. They come through him. Of course, we know that when Krishna appeared in the world, Vishnu uh, expressed a special desire and made a special arrangement to get the personal darshan of Krishna. When in Dwarka, he stole one after another the Brahmin's sons and and, uh, even Arjun couldn't remedy the situation and vowed that if he could not, he'd commit suicide. Krishna stepped in didn't allow Arjuna to commit suicide and took him to the abode of Vishnu, who said, 
I just wanted to have your darshan, you and Arjun. The wonderful pastimes that you're performing are very attractive to me, and so on and so forth. This is one of the instances, one of the examples cited by Shijiva Goswami to establish a truth that is central to understanding the whole Bhagavatam, and that is what? Krishna is to Bhagavan Swayam, right? That Krishna is the avatari. So the language here seems to indicate that he's an avatara. Avatari means the source of avatars. But, as we'll see, he, for the sake of one perspective, in a valid religious and spiritual perspective, he appears as an avatar. But that's not the only perspective, and objectively speaking, it's not the full perspective. The Gaudi perspective, they're viewing from the best, most complete vantage point, and they see Krishna as the avatari. And this is, of course, the Gaudi's book, the Bhagavatam, so it comes out. But there are places in the book where it seems to say otherwise. So you have to study it very carefully. Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya. You have to study it regularly, always, and under the guidance of a Bhagavata. And we have no better Bhagavata than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, in his Sadaka Deha, trying to attain Radha's Prem, and his followers, the Goswami, Shijiva, Rupa Sanatana, and so forth. These people, uh, these devotees, the Lord and his devotees, have brought out the significance of the Bhagavatam as no one else previously has ever done. The way in which they've focused on the Bhagavatam and pointed out its significance within the context of the entirety of the, of the Hindu sacred text, the religious canon of the Hindus, is itself a very ex- extraordinary exercise in or example of their knowing the Goswamis. They're described by Sri Vasachari inappropriately so as Nana Shastra Vicharanaikanipuno Saddharma Samstapako and Lokanam Hita Karano Tibhuvane Manyosharanyakuro for the right reasons. They collected all these scriptures together and um, like Vyasa attempted to do with his sutras tie a thread, sutra means a thread, literally, through all the Upanishadic verses so that they would be seen to make sense, make them into one garland and, and offer them to the Lord. Uh, the many sounds to make a concordance of them. So the Goswamis were doing this. And this is the work of the Acharya. So Prabhupada said, first business of the Acharya is to write a commentary. <laughs> Somebody asked me why I wrote a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. He said, I thought that was only for Acharyas. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so at any rate, uh, not only writing, but Achar, their behavior, so this must be exemplary as well. They must exemplify what they've, what they've written about. So anyway, Goswami, such an extraordinary command of the sacred text. It's quite um, mind-boggling to read. See how the Nana Shastra they took all from all these different shastras and and they tied a thread through them. The Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami. Sandarbha also means like a necklace. So he took and made a necklace of so many verses of the Bhagavatam to bring out its its significance. Pujapatrita Marsh once gave the example that America is the most powerful for the time being uh, <laughs> um, country in the world and has a huge military industrial complex, but we don't see its weapons everywhere parading through the streets like Russia used to have these big parades and take the missiles through the streets and convince the people of their power, of the country's power and so forth. It was a bit like the Wizard of Oz as it turned out. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it all kind of folded <laughs> with boo. As, uh, you know. uh, but um, America is very, anyway, very powerful country, but you don't see the missiles everywhere. But if the nation was to be attacked, then they would come out from everywhere. Hmm. Now it seems to be a threat of its own citizens coming out so, against. So <laughs> things change. But. Um, his point was that Vrindavan is like this. It's very powerful. 
one particle of dust from there has the power to drown the whole world with knowledge. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur once commented like this about Gorkashore Das Babaji when it was, he was questioned by one of his disciples who had some encounter with the West and uh, not questioned, but he made a statement, they have questions that we cannot answer. He dismissed it. He said, would the particle of dust from the feet of Gorka Shordas Babaji, who was illiterate from a material, whatever academic point of view, he was illiterate. He said, from a part, just from a particle of dust from his lotus feet, there's enough knowledge to drown the whole world. But Brindaban, at the, other, at the same time, doesn't look like that. It doesn't look powerful like a big karmi, a big uh, acquirer uh, who has um, got the resources to do a huge yagya and uh, tons of ghee, and, which means you need lots of cows, which means you know, you're pretty powerful. Owning a cow that's, uh, and being able to take care and so forth and appropriately, that requires some power, some wealth. So, big, big, from a material point of view, big and powerful. Vrindavan doesn't look like that. It's powerful, it has cows, that's true, but I shouldn't have used that example, perhaps. But from the point of view of acquisition, it seems simple. From the point of view of knowledge, it seems ignorant. Transcending the bigness of material life and acquisition is the knowledge that acquaints us with Brahman, which is really big. All you can say about it, it's the big Brahman, the big, the great, and words fail. How can you advertise it? You know, they, they can talk about material acquisition at great length, the benefits and so forth, but talk about Brahman. What, will you, how, what, what kind of advertisement will you, will you make? It's not this, and it's not that. <laughs> what can we say about it? This is the idea. So, so much bigger of an idea. Big and powerful knowledge has a kind is a kind of power for sure, and by kuntha to go beyond, it's also very overtly powerful. But the Braj, Leela, the Vrindavan, it looks very ordinary, very simple, hard to understand. But underlying that life of love, where the heart is out and free, the homeland of the heart, there's so much knowledge in every fiber of the place, in every grain of sand, in every particle of dust, of the Braj Raj, uh, there's, as they say, enough knowledge to drown the whole world. And so he said, the Goswamis, they exemplify this because they are just girls from Vrindavan, milkmaidens who have no education. But when they appear here, where knowledge is required, their knowledge is a burden. It gets in the way. The knowledge that Krishna is the Swayam Bhagavan it gets in the way for them. That has to be suppressed. It is suppressed by their prem. We need to learn that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God so that we can eventually forget about that. This is the way. Um, so it's an important point, most important point of the Bhagavatam from the point of view of tattva. And the implication is understanding tattva is pretty much required in order to develop bhava, which then provides for the kind of forgetfulness that Vrindavan is uh, characterized by, such to the extreme, to the extent that Krishna himself forgets himself under the influence of Prem. So, in this world, however, there's a need for knowledge. So, these village girls who appear to have no knowledge when they come here, who? Nana Shastra such command they had of all the sacred texts, it's some. It's mind-boggling to read and the references that they pull out and the way they put it together and so forth. It's masterful. So just like if the country in the United States is attacked, then the military will be everywhere. You'll see its power, but it keeps it suppressed because that's a little intimidating. So for the free flow of life and commerce, and they're all, it's all in the background. So for the free flow of love and Vrindavan, all this power is in the background. Sometimes it shows up. Krishna showed, we were reading from Brahma Vimohana Leela. Krishna showed the Aishvarya to Brahma, the measure of which you could not find anywhere. He showed from himself innumerable Narayans emanating, from whom innumerable universes 
emanated, each with their own Brahma, and Shiva, and so forth, and Vishnu. And Brahma's four heads, they were just spinning and spinning and spinning to see that. So there is more Aishvarya in Vrindavan than anywhere, and more sweetness too, but the sweetness takes precedent, but the Aishvarya is in the background, which is, as we said the other day, without the one, you don't have the other, without the Aishvarya in the background. Isn't that sweet? Because what he does is human-like, and in doing so, makes himself accessible to us, even though he is the great, which distances us from him. This is extraordinary. This is Madhurya. Sweet. So, anyway, they had great command, these Goswamis of the scripture, and Lokanam Hitakarano, out of compassion for the people, for the people of this world, they compiled all these scriptures together. And they laid stress on the Bhagavatam in a way that no one had ever done before. Very extraordinary. So much so that if you hear about it, you think, who? Well, of course, who would. It's, it's the most important book in, in, in the, of the sacred texts of the Hindus. Who would think otherwise? But nobody thought about it like that. It was looked over by, by Madhva a little bit. And <laughs> Ramanuja didn't practically touch it. He went to the Vishnu Purana so forth. That's his main, main book and so on. So the Goswamis, they have brought it out. And they've brought out the Bhagavatam. And then what is the this principal point of the Bhagavatam, among other things, but this principal point, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. And they've shown that even though Bhagavatam in some places seems to say otherwise, if you look at it in its entirety in context, it's very clearly making the point. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. It's the important point of tattva, and an understanding of tattva is essential for awakening bhava and the prem, because, after all, if that kind of prem that the Braj is an example of, it requires a perfect object of love, the, for perfect giving, complete giving. It must be a perfect object of love. So this is how the Goswamis have analyzed. Well, because he has demonstrated the capacity to reciprocate in love in ways that exceed even that of Narayan, in Vaikuntha or any other avatar and so forth. Therefore, he must be the supreme source of love, the supreme lover. And so, by focusing, by reposing our love and propensity in him, then that kind of bhakti is, uh, is facilitated. It, uh, not by reposing it in any other avatar or any other expansion of himself and so forth. So, a very, it's a very important point. Krishna makes it in the Gita when he says, Aham sarvasya prabhavo matasavam pavartate iti matbhava jante mam buddhavava samambhita Knowing me, Aham sarvasya prabhava, to be the source of everything, Sham Sundar. Then one has the kind of knowledge of where to repose one's loving propensity to the fullest. Yejitamam prapadyante tamstataiva bhajami hum. As they surrender to me, I reward accordingly. Who is Krishna, then? He's saying this verse. Who is Krishna? Krishna is, Krishna is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This verse is telling us that from Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. These two are one and the same. So this is where the Goswamis go from there. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that, that Krishna. Why? Because Krishna says, As they worship me, I reciprocate accordingly. So, so the devotees go, great, okay, we'll worship Krishna. And some devotees, these milk maidens of Vrindavan, they took him up on that. They worshipped him completely. He says, I can take any worship. Anything you can throw at me, I can respond. It doesn't get any better than this. So, they threw everything at him. They threw everything at him, things that we think you shouldn't throw at him. <laughs> Shocking was, was their idea, to, to surrender themselves, such that it appears to be crossing over the Dharma and so forth. And what happened? He gave up. He surrendered to them. He says, as you surrender to me, I reciprocate. Well... They surrendered to him completely, so he had to surrender 
to them. And so the, the fulfillment, the full taking this, this statement of Krishna, as you approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. No one has approached him more completely than the gopis. So taking that verse to its extreme, what do we find? We find Krishna surrendering to them. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the complete Krishna, who's seen through eyes of devotion, who corresponds with the devotion rendered. So, very anyway, very important point. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swami. Here is an instance in a Bhagavad where it appears that Krishna is the avatar of Vishnu. That's a valid perspective. That's a Vaikuntha perspective. We honor that. As Chaitanyaites, we honor all the Vaishnav Sampradayas in their perspectives. It's rather kind of inclusive. Their conception fits within, but ours overrides. That's the idea. Uh, That's why they can't include us. (laughs) We can include them, but they can't include us. They should, but... uh, for example, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, after making a strong case for this point that Krishna is the source of Narayan, Kaviraj Goswami says, but anyway, if you want to see Chaitanya, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna, if you want to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the avatar of, of, uh, of Mahavishnu, eh, well, that's okay. It's not very flattering, but yeah, it, it could be looked at from that angle. And you could have a life on, based on that perspective. But it's not the Vrindavan life. It's the Vaikuntha perspective, which is valid. In Vaikuntha, they don't know about Golok. They don't know the secrets of the forests of Gopalpuri. So, so extraordinary, therefore, is his descent and the encore appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through which it's explained and how to, how to approach it and so forth. It's a rare moments in human society that the Bhagavatam is uh, speaking about. So here, anyway, he went, she went to earth and the form of the cow to Brahma. Brahma went to Vishnu through meditation. He couldn't go directly to him, but through meditation, internally. Then he got the message. Yes, I've got, I'm coming, and I want you to tell the other gods and the goddesses to appear on earth. So all this is, this is an interesting point too, because we find here as an example that not only does Krishna appear to be an avatar of Vishnu, but the demigods and the god, demigoddesses seem to be his associates. So, problem. <laughs> because we don't think that Nanda Maharaj is a demigod. Uh, Yasoda is a, is, is a goddess or a denizen of heaven or something of this sort, but rather the eternal mother of Krishna, Devaki, Vasudev, and so forth. So, the idea is something like this, that Krishna is um, in his full self, the, the Swayam Bhagavan in Vrindavan, and then he starts to expand out, incarnate from there. Radha is the Swayam Shakti, and then it is uh, manifest in different realms of devotion, corresponding with different devotional sentiments and so forth, from Vrindavan to Mathura to Dwaraka to Vaikuntha and all of its different spheres and then to the Vishnus who preside over the world and even within the context of that the heavenly uh, well gods and goddesses the personifications of different powers in the macrocosm of our microcosmic life uh, the corresponding macrocosm, nature, power of sun and heat and light and rain and wind and all these things. <clears throat> these are delegated. Brahma is a delegated power. Brahma is a person, that's true. And it's said you can become a Brahma. He's a jiva. But in a deeper sense, Brahma is a delegated power because there's no meaning to that jiva who takes the post of Brahma unless he has the power to do the work of the creation. Where does the power come from? That's clearly discussed throughout the texts. That that's coming from from Krishna at the dawn of creation, the enlightened Brahma with the creative power and, and so forth. So he's kind of like a jewel 
has light because it reflects light, something like that. The lights of the sun comes in and it reflects it. Such is Brahma's power. And so with all the devas. Therefore, there is a way in which we can worship the devas and be worshipping Bhagwan. And of course, they do that in the Braj. In the Brajalila, they're all they're worshipping the different gods and goddesses. They're good Hindus. Like gopis are worshipping the goddess Katyayani. Why? They want to have Krishna as their husband. So, And they can chant the names of the gods and goddesses and so forth. And it's all Krishna consciousness. So we can try to practice that, but but uh, that's that is Paramahamsa. We can extract the essence everywhere. We're going to do the Shiva Kirtan and hear Krishna Kirtan. It's possible, but not everybody's capable of doing that. Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Dev, in the Rathayatra, he heard a love song. He sang a love song, I should say, from the Kavya Prakash. It's a secular book of uh, Ras Shastra about a girl longing for her paramour lover. When will we meet again on the banks of the Revati, under the tree, and so forth? And people, this is, this is a religious festival, you know, Jagannath, <laughs> the Lord of the world, has just come off of his throne. He's on the street here. Uh, you know, it's nice that he's come out amongst us and made himself available, but as he doesn't ordinarily, but we should show some respect. <laughs> Yeah, he's being generous. He's accepting food from people who otherwise don't have the opportunity to offer because they aren't part of the temple complex uh, and so forth. And, and he's accepting. He's showing he's the Lord of the universe. But with some respect, he should be treated. His name should be chanted. And Mahaprabhu is singing a, a, an ordinary love song in the Rathayatra. Rupa Goswami, of course, could, could hear that song and understand what he meant. So he wrote his own verses in Sanskrit, explaining the meaning. When Mahaprabhu saw those verses, he gave him a slap. He had taken those verses and pinned them on his hut. It's like, you know, printing them. <laughs> Put them on the bulletin board, like a neon sign of, the, of those times. This is what he's all about. Don't misunderstand when he sings that song. And Mahaprabhu said, how could, he, how could you understand my mind, my heart like this? must have been blessed by Sarup Damodar, who, who knows these things. So he was uh, uh, embarrassed. That's, that is the Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Say things that will embarrass God, and he'll want to draw you in close. Shh, stop. Come here. <laughs> Something like that. So, at any rate, so these gods and goddesses, they're jivas who have taken those posts, but they have a certain empowerment coming from Bhagawan, and there's a correspondence between them as delegated associates of the world order that uh, ultimately stems from Swayam Bhagawan, the source of everything. Their jiva is taking those posts and they have a delegated kind of a power from Bhagawan, and they are associates on another level, just like we have the associates of Vrindavan, we have the associates of the Lord in Vaikuntha. So, as Krishna manifests as Narayan, so his associates are manifest there as well, in Narayan's abode, his intimate circle. Krishna is never alone. So, as he goes as Narayan, they're there. When Krishna goes from Vrindavan to Dwarka, Radha comes with him as Satyabhama, Chandravali comes as Rukmini, and so forth. So in the Vaikuntha, and so in the heavenly realms, where there is godly functions to be performed through delegated powers of administration, the Daivanitrena, the godly factor of nature, the power, the force of nature, and so forth. So these jivas, who are delegated powers, and are, in a way, partial representations of Nanda, of Yashoda, of Vasudeva, of Devaki, of Subal, Sridham, and so on and so forth. They appear on earth. Why are they appearing on earth? Well, because Vishnu told Brahma to tell them to appear, and so therefore they're coming. But there's a, there's a deeper reason. And the reason is because Swayam Bhagawan is going to manifest his pastimes on earth. 
So I'm Bhagavan Krishna is going to manifest his pastimes on earth and it will appear like he's the avatar of Vishnu, but actually he doesn't live in Vaikuntha to avatara, you know, to cross over and come down. That's not where he lives. He doesn't live in Vaikuntha. He lives in Mathura. This is a very extraordinary idea. He lives in Mathura, the Brajamandal. That's where he is more than anywhere else. He says, Naham Vaikuntha Tishtami. I'm not in Vaikuntha. Yogi Namhurdayeshu. I'm not in the hearts of the yogis. Wherever my devotees are chanting about me, that's where I am. So this Mathura is a place where there is always a glorification of Krishna. This abode of Krishna on earth, the Mathura Mandal, which includes the whole of the Braj, is the source of the Goloka, even. Because it has more in it, <laughs> more sweetness. Bhagavan's most charming aspects are more facilitated and expressed there. It's the Naralila. And Goloka is the Devalila. So as much as more the Aishwarya and the distance is created, the further we, we move from the center. So the sweeter it is, the more supreme he is. Right? So the Naralila is most supreme. So this is a nice point of the Goswamis. So from earth comes Golok. <laughs> from Golok, within Golok is the Vrindavan, and then there's the Mathura and the Dwarka. And then we go to Vaikuntha. We're going down around. It's going like that. Earth is the center. This is a geocentric <laughs> world view. Everything orbiting around Earth, around Mathura, Mandal, on Earth. This is the churning place for the pastimes of the Lord, which is what everything is about. It comes all the way around to Shristi Leela. It's like, hmm, kind of like you think, that's a pretty poor excuse for a Leela from our perspective. I told somebody, it was another sannyasi, I said, well, it's called a Shristi Leela. He said, well, that's, I don't know about that. What kind of a Leela? That's kind of a bad idea for a Leela. I said, oh, you have to, you know, this is, it's the Leela of Mahavishnu. It's, you have to get... Uh, if you see it properly, then it won't be a problem. He's thinking, how oh, great, you call it a Leela, it's the Krishna's play, you know, and uh, it's suffering for me, and so forth. But that's just a vantage point, a perspective. But it's, the, it's the lower end, we'll admit that, of the Leela. And the Braj Leela is the high end of that. So this is the orbit, the whole of existence. It's all different degrees of Krishna Leela, from most intimate to most removed. And you get from the most intimate all the way around to the most removed and you're back to the most intimate. Right on earth, in mature, and you can't believe it. <laughs> it's not possible. And you can't see it. But it's there. This is the teaching. And so, Krishna's appearing, but he's not coming from Vaikuntha. He's already there. And now the time to manifest his Leela has come. And he has reasons of his own as well. Besides the reasons that Vishnu is concerned with as the maintainer, he has his reasons, and those reasons are fulfilled in the context of Krishna fulfilling his own ambitions, desires, reasons that are independent of the world as much as he is independent of the world. Aloof from it, and beyond it, and forgetful of his own position as the Godhead, the Swayam Bhagavan, practically. So when that wonderful thing happens, the full manifestation of the Godhead takes place, then all the other manifestations of the Godhead are going to be within him, and all the other purposes that they might fulfill also be fulfilled. All his associates will also be there. So when the, orig when the original Krishna manifests, his original associates manifest with them on earth, and then the devas, whoosh, who are partial manifestations of them, they appear on earth within those associates. Just like Vishnu comes within Krishna. And then when Krishna kills the demons, which isn't really what he does, the Vishnu in him is killing them. He's giving Putana Vatsalya Rasa. <laughs> this is his, his extraordinary nature. She's approaching him with a 
terrible idea in mind, and he's giving her Vatsalya Rasa. And Vishnu's killing her for the sake of establishing Dharma and so forth. So these kind of explanations we can find from the Goswamis churning all these Shastras and uh, shedding light on Krishna in, in a way that no one else has ever done or even thought to do. Then you start to think, how do they know all these things? How could they do that? And then you start to realize, oh, well, I see. Because they're one of them. They're part of that Leela. Not only just part of it, they're like really plugged in <laughs> to the heart of Krishna like nobody else. So, Nana Shastra Vicharana and Loka They have a capacity to care. They understand the situation. From that perspective, everything is understood. Compassion requires some understanding. From their perspective, nothing remains unknown. So, what a tribute we owe to them. So, here at, at any rate, as Bhagavatam is describing, so many things are being accomplished at the same time. And that's also the beauty of Bhagavatam, that you can draw different religious conceptions from it. The Gita is marvelous in that way as well. I used to think, well, people interpret the Gita this way or that way. That's all wrong. You, know, you can't interpret it this way. You can't interpret The real interpretation is like this. And that's true. But then I thought after a while, well, it's really fascinating. It lends itself to so many different interpretations. As people approach it, it reciprocates accordingly. Gandhi took it as a political you know, thing and India was free. It worked pretty good. <laughs> he was a Gita Bhakta from a political perspective. He drew much from the Gita and inspired many people and, uh, and, and a big material thing was accomplished. People approach it for liberation, people approach it from a psychological perspective, from a social perspective, political, Vaishnav, with Aishvarya and, and the Brajlila ultimately. And people sometimes complain when we try to bring the Brajlila out of the Bhagavad Gita. But no, this is another of its... That must be there too, if everything else is coming out of it. So many other ways that it, that it can serve human society. That it can be... It allows itself to be in the service of, of humanity on so many levels. So I had to change it. The, this is the beauty of it. It's the universality of it. While maintaining, of course, that the Godi idea takes it to its... Limit. So Bhagavatam, similarly, it, it can be read to facilitate the Vaikuntha Bhaktas and Aishvarya and so forth, worship, love and reverence and so forth. And uh, the Nimbarkas, they take something on it, the Balabas take it in a particular direction and so forth. So anyway, Vishnu is going to fix things. So he's going to descend. He's the Yuga Avatara and uh, all the Yuga Avatars are coming from him. They're phases of him, expressions of himself for the upkeep of the world, a certain type of upkeep, a religious upkeep of the world. And this is the problem. There's irreligiousness. People are not using their human bodies for what they're wired for, for religious experience. So the earth has become burdened. She's taken the form of a cow. She's innocent. She's just a giver, a provider. And she's providing... Earth is providing this opportunity. As I said yesterday, it has hellish conditions, it has heavenly conditions. We get to see both, and we know neither one is worth pursuing. We know the hellish conditions, we don't want to go there. And if we're thoughtful, we know the heavenly conditions, we don't want to go there, because you just end up in hell when you go there. In other words, it's circular. You go after the material enjoyments, and they turn into suffering. We go after that and we end up being frustrated and we end up empty and again have to start over again. So so we get to experience heaven and hell right here, right now. Why have to do some yagyas and you know and this and that and, uh, and go through a whole regime of avoiding different things? You got hell, you got heaven right here. You've been to both already <laughs> and you don't want either one. So it facilitates. If you go to heaven, well, then you just want to hang on there. 
There's no implications for your enjoyment. There's no repercussions. You're just enjoying. You go to hell, you just, you just want to get out. And just trying to get away from something, that's not the solution. And to remain attached to something that ultimately won't endure. I mean, the life's so, I mean, if you're told, look, you've got 100 million years to live, you so take it easy today. You know? No problem. I've got 100 million years to live or more. You know, it's like, wow, I might as well. I mean, who can even you know, think that far? So the heavenly life, the long, it's depicted like this with long life and so forth. There are no repercussions for your enjoyment. Just the fruits of piety that you've engaged in here, you're enjoying there for a long, long, long time. So it's a problem because it does end. A bhuvanal, what is it? A bhuvanaloka, punavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartinavartin
she's sitting on a throne, she's giving blessings, making other people wealthy, and you know, serving ultimately she's serving Narayan and chase to him and so forth. So she had to that's the other thing. She had to give up her jewelry, she had to give up her husband and her reputation. That she couldn't do. When she was told she thought, I'll perform most what more can you do? I'll take off my jewelry, I'll go sit in the forest and perform austerities, which is, you know, like very unbecoming for me. I'm not used to I'm a very pampered lady. So I'm gonna go perform austerities. So she performed austerities for a long time and she was unsuccessful. And then she was told, Oh, the problem is this, you've got to give up your husband. Huh? I'm Lakshmi. I'm like I'm known throughout the world for being chased to my husband. Oh yeah, not only have to give up your husband, you have to go with somebody else. That's like the antithesis of the ego of Lakshmi, whose chastity to Narayan. She just like couldn't she couldn't digest that. This is what the gopis had to do, crossing over the Dharma as it appeared and so forth. So she said, "That's it. I'm out. I'm out of here." Again. <laughs> so, so this is a tall, uh, tall order. Not just by material piety can you get such a simple thing. No. So. This is what's taking place, although it appears perhaps on the surface otherwise. So in the course of the discussion then, uh, what uh, Sukadev says that uh, he heard, uh, further what Brahma heard, he heard the Vishnu, I'm going to appear, you can, should tell the demigods they should appear, and Basudeva Grihe Sakshat Bhagavan Purushapara and uh, in the house, Vasudeva Grihe, in the house of Vasudev, directly in the house, Bhagavan, Purusha, Para, the Supreme Purusha, which could be interpreted different ways. Vishnu is a Purusha. But, of course, here's the Purusha Para. The Godis will take it like this. Krishna himself will come. In the house of Vasudev. It was said when, it, when, um, when Sura, the father of Vasudev, was born, there was an oracle that also at that time that the, his son will glorify God in the world in ways that uh, have never been done before, or something like that. So, auspicious Vasudev, uh, the son of Sura, the cousin of Nanda, as we heard, coming from the same parentage, two different wives and so forth. They had relationships. So, Bhagavan Krishna will appear, demigods and goddesses should appear, and then he says, Vasudeva Kalanata, Sahasravadana Swarat Agrato Bhavita Devo Hare Priya Chikishayad. So of course we did a day for this one. Balaram's appearance, but it comes up again and again in discussing the, the birth of Krishna here. He says Basudeva Kalanatha that the part the Kala of Vasudeva Krishna will also appear. And Sahasra Vadana Swarat, Sahasra Vadana, means it's a reference to the Anantasesh who has, who is full of praise for Krishna with his thousands of heads. It said he cannot ever completely describe one aspect of one pastime of Krishna, such as the nature of that Leela. And he's trying always forever, it's all, he, all that he speaks about. Sahasravadana Swarat. So it says here that the part of Krishna, Sahasravadana Swarat, who, Swarat indicates Balaram is independent, different from the full face of Balaram is appearing in from Rohini. His part, partial manifestation, as an Sesh, first appeared within Devaki. And Agrato Babita Debo Hare Priya Chikirshaya. So Priya Chikirshaya and his disposition is only to please Krishna. We discussed this at some length. This is what Balaram and all the expansions of Balaram as the Sankarshan. It's first Krishna then Balaram. And it says here, Vasudeva Kalanatha it means here he's saying that the foremost manifestation of Krishna. So, first Baladev, then Baladev expands as Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Anuruddha. That means that the Krishna 
Vasudev Krishna in Dwarka and Balaram, they're kind of similar. Do you follow? The Vasudev Krishna who gave took birth from Devaki is a transcendentally less complete manifestation of Krishna than Balaram. Again, emphasis on the Brajlila, Balaram. Uh, so they're kind of like similar. If you were to compare Krishna in Vrindavan to Krishna in Mathura, uh, you'd come up pretty short. But if you compare Balaram to Vasudev Krishna, then it gets a little closer. That's the idea. Of course, they're different also, different sentiments. But uh, point being, Balaram is a big, the big guy. He's the, the source of all the different expansions. So his partial expansion goes into Devaki. And then what he says, so he, he wants to introduce this. These things come at the same time. What? Baladev and next, Vishnu Maya Bhagavati. Vishnu Maya Bhagavati, Yoga Maya. Both are required for Krishna's pastimes. Balaram is required and Yoga Maya Shakti Tattva is required. So the first expansion of Vishnu Tattva and the Shakti Tattva. Vishnu Maya Bhagavati Yayasa Mohito Jagat Adishta Prabhunam Shena Karyate Sambhavishyati so Vishnu Maya, the potency of the Lord known as Vishnu Maya, who is as good as the Supreme Lord, will appear with him. This potency acting in different capacities. Bewilders the whole world, captivates the whole world, both material and spiritual. At the request of her master, she will appear in her different potencies in order to execute the work of the Lord. So Krishna will appear, Ram will appear, and Yogamaya will appear. So these are the these are the three. Then we have the Jagannath, the Balabhadra, Subhadra in a sense. But Yogamaya is very uh, complicated. That's indicated here. She works in different ways for different purposes. So look at her from one side. She is Mahamaya. This is her partial expansion. Jagat Samohita. The whole world is bewildered by her. Material world. Look at her from the other side, the full expression of herself, and then you find the whole of Vrindavan is bewildered by her. This is the brother, this is the sister of Krishna, right? This is what he's saying here. And she is like, uh, like the shadow of Krishna. So she manifests in Vrindavan from Jasoda, but she's traded, so to speak. The Vasudev Krishna merges into Nandanandan Krishna, her older brother, who appeared first, but Yasoda was unaware of it because of her influence within her. Made her unconscious at birth. She didn't know she had a son. Vasudev came in the day of the night. He put his son. Their son merged into Nandanandan Krishna, his source, and took the daughter. He took the daughter outside of Vrindavan. She appeared before Kamsa. This will come as we go on, but just briefly. And spoke about her power as capable of bewildering the worlds and so forth. In other words, she relates with the non-religious in one way, the non-spiritual, the kangsas, in one way, and with the devotees in another way, each type of bewildering. One type of bewildering is really ignorance, and the other is a, is a divine ignorance, if you will, a desirable ignorance that makes these uh, human-like pastimes all possible. So in Vrindavan, then, she becomes invisible. Where is Krishna's? Sister there. She's invisible. She's following him though like a shadow everywhere he goes, this yoga maya. Like a shadow and just anticipating, like the perfect disciple, anticipating in advance just what her master wants and facilitating that. This is yoga maya. So she's not absent there at all. And she manifests also in the Vrindavan Leela in different ways as Purnamasi, the mystic celibate in Vrindavan, who's, the, who's kind of a pagan, you know, shaman of the Leela. They go for her for potions and mantras and, uh, and uh, the crystal ball, what's going to happen and so forth. And, and then also a partial manifestation of Yoga as Brindadevi, orchestrating the different pastimes and so forth. So, 
So here anyway, now in the tenth canto, introduced are this Malaram, his expansion for the mature pastimes and so forth, and Yogamaya, and, and some explanation of the devas and what it means that they're coming. And, and as we'll hear, next mature will be glorified. We'll go into that. We've touched on it a little bit. It's clear though. Krishna's from Mathura. This is the source. This is the center. This is the uh, ultimate existence, earthly Mathura, with eyes to see what's actually going on there, the eternal Leela of, of Krishna. And of course, then we have to touch on it. It's, it's a place on earth, but it's not a geographical place. It's a, it's a very complex uh, theological concept, the Dham. But we're in the midst of such explanation as much as words and realization can afford. So, any questions? Yes? You once said that on earth, in Boma Vrindavan, Mother Yashoda, that it was the Boma Vrindavan was more more than Goloka. Because here, Mother Yashoda she has what <laughs> Which comes first? Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the idea you're trying. So he's so, really identified I'm her son. It's from the Goloka perspective no. that no, from the Goloka perspective, the uppercut Leela, then it appears that Vrindavan comes out of it. From the Vrindavan perspective, it seems to be the other way around. Uh, so. The logic of it is that which is more full? Where is Bhagawan's pleasure greater, more facilitated in the uh, intimacy that his devotees want? That must be the fullest manifestation. So that's on earth. Otherwise, yeah, Kavli Karnapur wrote something like that in the Namdabhad Vrindavan Champu that the reason for Krishna's appearance on earth was to give Mother Yasoda a chance to actually be a mother. But that's saying the same thing. In other words, the Vatsalya Rasa, for example, is more facilitated, so it's richer, it's, it's expressed more. Wherever that preem is, expre- is more expressed, Krishna is more present. The more the preem, the more Krishna is there, so it comes out more. So it's a very interesting concept. We're all interested in going somewhere else, because where we are is just not... <laughs> you know, making it. So we're all thinking somehow go somewhere else. I'm going to move here. I'm going to get another yurt. You know, I'm going to move my own yurt. I'm going to, you know, or <laughs> you know, you know, even with an ashram, this is going on. This, we're trying to go somewhere, and and, and the teaching of the Bhagavatam is really like you're already there. Something that's a little bit of a Buddhist, you know, take on. Things. Be mindful of where you are. It's right here. This is the Gaudiya thing. It's happening on earth. And uh, so, so go to Vrindavan and then, and then it starts to talk about what is Vrindavan, what is Matura, and so forth. And then you see how it's, it's a non-geographical reality at the same time. It's a, it's, a, it's a realm of consciousness and earth facilitates going there or being there, taking off all the other layers and Yes. Yes, no matter where you go, there you are. So I'm always in Vrindavan. Is that what that one? Krishna, probably just have that kind of Something like that, you know. Go where we go is not about moving anywhere, but it's about where you're at. our consciousness. So, yes. I'm a little bit confused because. Um, Me too. Like, yeah. But, anyway, that's that's Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, it's like you know, you hear one thing and then you hear something else, and you're like, but then I heard. So, for example, you said that uh, like Vishnu told Brahma, I'm going to appear and let all of the demigods know to appear with me. 
little confused because in the past I've heard that like Krishna and like Mahaprabhu, they appear with their like eternal associates. And then also like in the Leela, I know that Brahma didn't realize that Krishna was like Svayam, Bhagavan, um, and you know, stole the cowboys and then learned his lesson, you know, oh my god, this is like the spring personality of Godhead. And also, you know, how, um, like with, um, what's the, the, the god of uh, the, the water, the rain, Indra, 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 Indra yeah. you know, he, you know, Indra yeah. got angry and, you know, tried to punish him and then learned, oh, whoa, you know, same thing. So, I'm a little confused about the demigods appearing with Krishna if they don't, you know, it's not really making sense to me. Oh, because they're still there. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, then they, and then also, I've also heard that, like in the Leela, the demigods would like look down at Krishna at different places, like watching like, the Leela happen. So what's so why did Vishnu tell the demi, tell Brahma to tell the other demigods to appear? Uh, the principal, uh, the principal demigods in charge of different things. They have to stay in place for the Leela also. Okay. Hmm? It's like but there are so many denizens. Uh, well, Lakshmi's not a demigod, but she's Narayan's consort. But so many denizens of heaven and so forth. It also means like there are devotees who didn't perfect themselves. They go to heaven. And their going to heaven happens to correspond with Krishna's appearing on earth. So they get to come and take part in the Leela and perfect themselves. So, more like the denizens of Okay, so when you said Demi-God, he's not talking about like, the, all the named ones that we all have. Shiva's, Shiva's present, Vishnu's present, mm-hmm. Brahma's present, also in some capacity. Vishnu's present as Govardhan Hill. Mm-hmm. Brahma's present as Nandagram. Shiva's present, they're hills. Mm-hmm. As, as, as um, what is the other one? Barsana. They have their representation in Leela partially, but they're, they're, they, they have to be also, for the Leela to conduct itself, Indra still has to be doing his thing up there. For example, Brahma has to be. So, okay, something like that. It's confusing. Yeah. You said something like Yoga Maya went outside to, talk, to show Putana, or talk to Putana about her or what her... Kamsa. Yeah. We we'll talk about him. That's coming up. Yeah, stick around for that. We we'll talk about Kamsa. That's a big topic. But yeah, he's part of the lila. There are. That's the nature of the prakat lila, the manifest lila on earth. It has two elements to it. It has this the the internal. Shakti influence and 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 Alila and it's a meeting place with less than spiritual elements, let's say. And it's particularly suitable and helpful for sadhakas, but there are other other elements. Now, how close they get involved and actually see and so forth—that's another thing. That's why somebody asked me that you know, is Krishna Leela actually real? <laughs> I mean, did it actually happen? And I said, well, does, is there really prem? In the form of Mahaprabhu, we know there's really prem, so it must be real because the leela corresponds with the prem. And I answered it in that way, and then she said, "Well, but I mean, I, but I mean, is it real? I mean, did it happen five thousand years ago, and so forth?" And I said, "Well, the other way to think about it is that, as Krishna explains in the Gita, that some people see me and they think I'm an ordinary human being. So, the devotees saw all those things." The devotees saw all those things. The coward boy saw him defeat this one, that one, and so forth. Agasur, Bakasur, and so forth. But whether everybody else saw, that's another thing. So I think there's different ways to think about it. And of course, as we'll hear also describing Matura, it's really a plane of consciousness. So where is it? If it is what we say it is, like I was speaking earlier, the most full manifestation of Bhagawan, therefore the source of all other manifestations, then all things have to be with inside of it. So all of a sudden now you have a Matura and everything's inside. Vaikuntha is inside of it. The whole material world is inside of it. So where is it? <laughs> and it's on it's like, you know, look into Krishna's mouth and there you see Mother Isoda sees 
the universe, and she sees inside the universe, she sees herself, look inside Krishna's mouth, and, and so forth like that. Yeah. Well, somebody sent me a video the other day, you know, on that Facebook, they send you things, so it was a video, and it was, um, I don't know how to work it still, you know, I don't, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, he sent a video, and it was a video of, it's first it shows the earth, here's the earth, it's this big around, you know, and then um, here is the moon, it's this big around, and here is the sun, you know, and or here is, I don't know, it started, I guess it maybe started with, I guess the moon's smaller than the earth, started with the moon, then it went to the earth, you know, bodies out there, celestial, whatever, bodies, and then it went to the earth, and then it went to the next planet, and it got bigger and bigger, and Saturn, and Jupiter, and then there was other planets I'd never heard of, was even bigger, and it was showing these big balls, you know, like, bigger, bigger, it was getting bigger and bigger, and then you know, the sun, and then it was, then stars bigger than the sun. Went through this whole thing. What we know, here's the biggest, you know, star or something like that. And it was all over. Then it showed the Earth, and it was like you could barely see. It was like a just like a dot. Is that on, is that something on my screen? It's not supposed to be there. <laughs> something like that. So it was fascinating to see. It was very brief, but uh, what we're talking about sounds rather complex. But my point is like well. You know, we we have a small vantage point here for understanding anything, actually. So, it was a humbling video. And then you are one, one mind on Earth that's really small. What you can contain within there, what you can understand, and what the possibilities that you, you think there are, there are and limitations and so forth. That's <laughs> a good video. All right, so... We'll stop there for today. Grantaras Simad Bhagavatam ki jai. Shri Janamastami Mahamotsubha ki jai. Uranga Mahaprabhu ki jai. Dai Chantri jai. Shri Bhakti Vedanta Sami Prabhupada ki jai. Bhakti Rakshakshita Dev Goswami Maharaj ki jai. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanande.